Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 3rd of June 2020 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong is into the season of hot. As we resign ourselves to the return of heat rash and watch with hearts and mouth all the action on all the streets, we will be distracting ourselves with two stories about personal struggles. Jen has a story from a recent show of her issues with her sister, and we replay Derek's story of his struggles overseas. Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge hug goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. It's June, and we all know the direction our world went 12 months ago. Hang in there, Hong Kongers. If anyone can make this world a better place, it's you. Big hellos go out to our overseas listeners as well, especially listeners in Santa Monica in California in the USA, Park Hill in Canada, and Surabaya in Indonesia. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Shortly, we'll be returning to our regular free weekly workshops. Thanks to our entire Hong Kong community for your patience and care and for masking up and keeping us all safe. We'll keep you updated on the website, hongkongstories.com. In the meantime, we're off to a fantastic start for the next live show, which will be on Wednesday, June 24th at the Fringe Club. Our storytellers are fine-tuning and practicing to deliver the very best stories they can. Due to COVID regulations and to keep everyone comfortable, our seating will be sparser than usual. Tickets will be available after June 9th. Check the website for details. HongKongStories.com Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now from our December 2019 show with the theme, Meeting You, here is Jen. My sister is 18 months younger than me. She's not in the audience tonight, so don't worry. She's back in Canada. From the very beginning, we were adversaries. When she was first brought home, I was told to be gentle and patient with her because she was smaller. By the time she was a toddler, that meant that she was getting away with all kinds of theft and abuse of my property. (laughs) Inevitably, she crossed a line, and I lost my patience, which was how I ended up in my room with a burning backside. I'd slapped her face. She deserved it. She had ripped the head off my Wonder Woman paper doll. She was only three years old, but she knew what she was doing. And then she went screaming to mom, and suddenly I was the one who had done something wrong. That's one of my earliest memories, lying on my side in my bed, waiting for the stinging in my rear end to go away. My sister was downstairs playing somewhere happily, and I had to stay in my room and think about what I had done. She spent a lot of time screaming to try and get her own way as we grew up. By the time we were six and eight, it became a regular part of our morning routine. Typically, I would just get ready and wait by the door to go out and catch the bus while she and my mom did battle. One morning, she started it because she didn't want to take the lunches that my mother was making. What's wrong with sandwiches, my mother said. I don't like them. Just give me money for school lunch. Right, so you can go to school and eat junk food like fries and gravy. No, you're going to eat what I give you. 
It was winter, and I was fully dressed in snowsuit, hat, mitts, and boots, and I was starting to sweat. I did not know why she always had to make a fuss. And if she took any longer, we were probably going to miss the bus. If you put those sandwiches in my lunch, I'll throw them away. Don't you dare throw food away, my mother said. And so my sister backed off into a pout. Finally, we were out the door and we just made the bus. At school, we didn't really spend too much time together. We played with our own friends in our own classes. At the end of the day, we took the bus back home and got off on the road, at the road at the bottom of our driveway. As I headed along, I figured she'd just be right behind me. But then I noticed out of the corner of my eye that she was plunging into the snow in the field between the road and our house. What are you doing? I yelled. It was really deep and hard going in that snow, and we usually stuck to the road, which was plowed. She just turned around and scowled at me and screeched, Leave me alone! I didn't know what was up with her, but I just happily left her alone. A few months later, the snow melted into kind of a mucky spring. And whenever we had free time, my sister and I would passionately pursue the art of competitive mud pie making. We would mix up in buckets carefully measured portions of dirt and water and then pour the thick mixture into our baking pans, which were actually a Frisbee and some ice cream bucket lids. And then we'd wait for it to harden and then we'd try and cut it and lift it out like real pie. We fiercely guarded the secrets of our mud recipes and we chose with care the perfect stirring sticks, which we would hide from each other when we went in for dinner. And, of course, we argued nonstop about whose mud was better. One day, when I'd managed to carefully fill one of the ice cream bucket lids without spilling a drop, I called out, Look at that! It's perfect! There's no lumps! So what? she said. Mine's thicker. And then she tipped her bucket over the frisbee, and a huge lump of mud spilled out and splashed all over the edges. At least I didn't spill mine, I said. And I looked back at my own perfect, almost like a real chocolate pie creation. Just then, a rock landed right in the middle of it and splattered mud all over my clothes. I was furious. But ever since the paper doll incident, I had been warned to just walk away if I felt like hitting her. So I headed out into the field next to our house. As I left, I screeched at her, I hate you, you ruin everything! And then I took off. That prompted her to stand up and kick what was left of my pie. But she didn't follow me because we'd both been threatened with a spanking if we ever hit each other. So I just carried on into the field of knee-high dead grass and weeds that had been exposed after the winter snow melt. I ride, tried really, really hard to stomp as I walked into the field, but it was pretty uneven and mucky. The only noises I made were limp-sounding squelches. I hated her, and I hated this stupid house in the middle of a muddy field so far away from all my friends, which is why I was forced to play with her. I couldn't even go in and get her into trouble for wrecking my things because I told her I hated her and I'd get in trouble for that. My next angry step came down on something that made my foot slide forward, and it didn't feel like mud. I looked down, and I saw that I was standing on a plastic sandwich bag. The contents were pretty mucky, but I could see clearly a square that had been cut diagonally. This was perfect. 
now I could get her into trouble for wasting food without getting myself into trouble. So I snatched up the bag. It was pretty gross and mucky, but I didn't care. This was going to be worth it. As I came out of the field, I held the evidence of her crime down by my side. I quickly walked up the wooden steps to the back door, and then I stopped and turned and held it out. Hey, look what I found. And I paused while she scrutinized the bag and waited for the contents to register. When her eyes bugged out in horror and she started running for the door, I jumped inside and called for my mom. I got a little bit of grief for disturbing my mother, but my sister got the worst of it. While she was being ordered to her room, I snuck back to the mud pie production area. Now I was going to have all the equipment to myself without anyone to disturb me. Not quite. I could hear her crying inside. She got a spanking. My mom slammed the door and left her there to think about what she had done. I could just imagine her lying on her side in the bed, and I knew that burning backside feeling. As I started to mix up my mud again, I remembered that she had a better stirring stick, so I grabbed it. From inside, I could hear her call out, Mommy, I'm sorry. I said, stay in your room, my mom yelled. Our bedroom door slammed shut. Watch it, my mom said, and then I could hear her crying again. I'd just been standing there holding her stick, listening. My stomach didn't feel so good, kind of like I was going to be sick. Instead of putting her tools to use, I just put them down next to the hole where she'd been digging, and I went back inside. I didn't feel like playing after all. It didn't matter anymore if I made a really good, really real pie, because I'd be the only one to see it. Thanks. Being alone, as many of us have experienced in recent months, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Jen told this story at our December show, which was hosted by another long-term storyteller, Salmai. I don't think we thank the show hosts often enough in this podcast, so thanks to all the hosts who spend their valuable time teaching us how to be better storytellers. The second story we have for you today is from Derek. He told this story in 2018, and we are pleased to share it with you today. Here is Derek. I'm going to tell the story with a cork in my mouth, because that's how I practiced speaking English 10 years ago when I was in Los Angeles. Sorry, I know this is very difficult to understand, but this cork is the key to my American accent. I was in this accent reduction class 10 years ago when I was in Los Angeles, and my accent teacher told me in Cantonese, most of our sound is produced from the front of the mouth. But in America, they speak like there's a big box at the back of your mouth. So in order to sound a little less Hong Kong and a little more American, you need to put a cork in your mouth, overdo it, enunciate alter your muscle memory. I never thought much about accents when I was a kid. I was born and raised in Hong Kong, 
So when I was studying English in a local school, everyone speaks just like me, including the teacher who was also born in Hong Kong. So I never really thought much about an accent. And when I see a tourist or an expat in Hong Kong, and if you guys are trying to talk to me in Cantonese and saying something like "neho," then I would probably find you very adorable and, and marvel. So I, I, I never thought of having an accent, an issue, or, or, or a problem. But then, when I was in America, in addition to the accent class, I was also in the acting class. I was enrolled in an acting school, and. One of the classes I took was the improv class. <laughs> so,、uh, in one of the improv class,、um, I was assigned the role of a doctor, and my scene partner, who was supposed to be a patient,、uh, we were on stage, and I looked at him very genuinely, and I said, "Don't worry, I'm going to kill you." <laughs> yeah, everyone laughed, just like you guys did. <laughs> The R cure. You know that the R sound is very difficult for us because we don't have the R sound in Cantonese. Well, two years ago I started learning French, so imagine how much time I've spent in my kitchen just trying to do this sound. <laughs> hey, I used to even tell people I have to put a cock in my mouth during my accent reduction class. <laughs> I guess that's what people describe this as an oral practice. <laughs> I even once asked a bartender for some penis to munch on with my drinks. <laughs> Sometimes I don't just embarrass myself; I embarrass my friends. One of the evenings, I was at my friend's place, and he asked me, "What did you want to do tonight?" And I said, "Cocaine." And、um, he took out a pack of white powder, and I asked innocently, "Is that sugar?" <laughs> Cooking the oozang. <laughs> you know, I became so aware of my accent in America that in、uh, after a year of acting school, when I I was so fortunate, I got signed by a talent agent, and I started working as an actor in L.A. Every time before every audition, when I was given the script, I spent so much time just to work on sounding right. I wanted myself to be understandable, but you know how things are when you're so obsessed with certain things, people start to notice it even more. And then I was in the audition room, and then you know you you, you did a take, and then the casting director tried to give you some feedback, and the casting director asked me, "Oh, your English is." It's good enough, but just for the comedic effect, can you try to thicken your accents for this role? Oh, so you just want me to talk like that, like how I talk in Hong Kong?、Um, no, this is not funny. You know,、um, this is an immigrant role, fresh off the boat, rubbish.、Um, why don't you just play with it? Why don't you try with a Thai accent? I cannot just shift to another Asian accent without. Preparing for it, <laughs> but it's an audition. You have to do whatever the director asks you. So,、um, so what do you like? Do you like him? I I guess it's like that, right?、Um, <laughs> and then he said, "Well, you know what? Just for the effect, why don't you give me a take, like a Japanese accent?" 
I, I'm sorry, I really don't know how to do it. Oh, okay, don't worry about it. You know, just for the comedic effect, just try a take with uh, a generic Asian accent. <laughs> uh, excuse me, what is a generic Asian accent? You know, just, just like how Asians speak. I was so frustrated in some of these auditions. And one night I was on the rooftop, I was sharing with my friend who was an Asian-American actor. And he told me he was so frustrated that as an Asian-American, he was always being sent to auditions um, for the foreigner roles. And it is very hard for him to be a minority in America. And at that moment, I, I, I thought, a minority? I mean, I lived my whole life in Hong Kong being an Asian as a majority. <laughs> I never see myself as a minority. Wait a minute. Why am I trying so hard to be an American? Maybe I don't need to act like a foreigner. I am a foreigner there. And maybe I don't have to deal with being uh, an American minority there. I am a Hong Kong majority. Maybe I should let myself be a little more me and put in more authenticity in my audition. Four years in LA, um, I started booking more roles and uh, I did some projects as an actor that I was really proud of. But I have also heard a lot of things in audition rooms. You're not tall enough. You're taller than the lead and he's not happy. You don't look like the guy who plays your brother. You have dripping eyelids when you talk. And you're not handsome enough. Oh, and you're not muscular enough. Like there will be someone who will always tell you that you're not enough of this and not enough of that. There are a lot of things I cannot change. But the only thing I can change is to try to walk out of my house every day reminding myself that maybe I am good enough. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.